I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. It is your Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, Julian McKenzie with you as always. And um, boy, man, we often say... Like, you know, sometimes you feel like, man, everything is happening at once in the hockey world. That's what it's feeling like right now. On the ice, off the ice. Uh, the teams that both you and I cover, I think potentially have some significant off-ice news that we will uh, get into. That being the Ottawa Senators and the Calgary Flames. I, the Ottawa Senators news is, and I dropped it just before this mm-hmm. podcast started. And it's a, it's a seismic piece of news. that we'll, we'll get into that later, but let's be honest here. Uh, the Game 7 stuff is what everyone wants to talk about. The defending Stanley Cup champion and the record-setting President's Trophy winners are ousted on home ice within hours of each other. Who could have seen it coming, Julian? Who? I don't know, man. I, it's it's kind of, You know what's funny? Because I look back at those first-round predictions that we made, and I have to say with the Seattle Kraken, none of us saw it coming. They deserve a ton of credit. Uh, for getting over the hump uh, that is the Colorado Avalanche. And I get they're not built the same way. It is still the defending champions you have to go through who have Nathan McKinnon, who have Kale McCarr, uh, and, and other bit players who are able to to help them be a great team. Miko Rantanen, certainly not a bit player, uh, but like they have guys. Like this is still an upset. And it wasn't even the biggest upset of the day. And and even and even for us, like I I, I hope we take that moment where we get to tell everybody we told you so about the Boston Bruins, but even we didn't know that they were going to lose in seven games to the Florida Panthers, at least at the beginning of the series. I did say when it got to game seven that that the Panthers were going to win, but we did not know at the beginning of the series that the Boston Bruins would lose to Florida, and that is surprising in itself. But we do have the audio. We did keep the receipts. So we got a couple of uh, uh, audio clips here from... Early April, I believe uh, April the 10th, if I'm not mistaken, right? Chris Flan- uh, Flannery, our producer, April 10th and April 17th? Yeah, that's Am exactly Am I right on right. those dates? Yep. There we go. Uh, April 10th and April 17th. Have a listen as as Julie and I, we just want to take our little quick victory lap here. <laughs> we saw it coming. We saw it coming. Here's us in April talking about the Bruins. No team has ever finished a President's Trophy winning season where they had 119 points or more and then won the Stanley Cup. Like, wrap your head around that for a second. The Boston Bruins are the ninth team to be awarded the President's Trophy, finish the season with more than 119 points. The previous eight, none of them won the Stanley Cup. The takeaway for coaches is if you're in first place and on track for a President's Trophy, you got to stop at 118 points. That seems to be the magic cutoff. Anything more than 118 points and a President's Trophy is like the kiss of death. I don't get it. It's crazy. The one series I thought would have ended in a sweep, I'm not convinced anymore that it'll end in a sweep. Probably would have been Florida Boston. But even then, like, just I have a hard time thinking that, like, Florida can't win at least one game. Now you're seeing reports that, like, a sickness, has an illness has spread through the Boston Bruins. Playoff Uh, fever. Playoff fever, clearly. 
I'm not saying Boston's going to lose. I mean, we have stakes with Boston for something else. <laughs> right. we're, we're not saying that Boston's going to lose. We're just not. We're just saying Boston's not going to win. Could you could you imagine if the Boston Bruins lost in the first round? Could you imagine? Yes, I could somehow... because that's the stupidity of the NHL. Like like if they dominant... lost to Florida. It's not out of the realm of possibility. That's all. No, it's not. Like, it's absolutely not. nothing. Like 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 the, people forget. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning were like the best team in the NHL in 2019, and they lost in the they were swept in the first round by a yeah. team that had never won a playoff series in their history. And and remember, in Game One of that series in 2019. Tampa had a three nothing lead early in the game. They did, and everyone and remember, everyone was like, "Why are we even bothering with this series? This series is gonna be so washed." We were thought like, "Man, like, this is we a waste right. of waste of days." So there you go. This isn't like, and I see everybody saying this is the greatest upset of all time. This is an all timer. I don't know that it is. Like, can can something be an upset? If it felt inevitable to people like you and I, like you and I looked at this and said, <laughs> this feels like it's going to, uh, uh, this feels like it's going to implode. But like, like against so Florida, it, I'm not, like, I'm not like we thought that would have happened like second or third round. Like I, like I'm, I'm on record thinking, okay, like I could see them losing in the conference final to Tampa. I don't know if anyone or how many people thought the Florida Panthers would be the team to do in the first round. Like I, I, it's not impossible to predict that the the President's Trophy winner would lose in the playoffs. I don't think that's impossible. Like if you like there's been they're the seventh team since the year 2000 to uh get ousted in the first round. And I don't have the specific number on me. I tried to do some research. I forgot to 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 finish doing it, but I think there are fewer President's Trophy winners who gone who have gone on to win the cup since 2000 than the number of those who have lost in the first round. Like we could wow. figure this out at some point during the show, but like it's not impossible to to think that they were not good, that, that to think that they were going to fall short, but for them to lose to Florida, like that's something I I I was I'm still surprised by. Like that is wow. Plus the Bruins had a lead; they were up three two on them with like like what like sixty seconds, not that much time left to go. Left. Like yeah, they should have had left. this in the bag. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing. Like 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 I see people saying that the Bruins collapse is worse than Tampa in 2019. But, I mean, Tampa got swept. Like, they didn't even have a chance to win that series. Boston had three chances to close out the Panthers, including two overtimes, Julian. Like, Game 5, Matt Kachuk. Uh, game 7, uh, obviously, Carter Verhigge. And then not only that, um, the thing that I found fascinating, go back to Game 5. The dying seconds of regulation had Brad Marchand on a breakaway. Like yeah. he could have ended like that's how close. The- oh man! Oh my god! So yeah. like the fact that like there's a massive points discrepancy between the Panthers and and the Bruins that does nothing for you in terms of an upset. And like you no. mentioned, you like, you mentioned the the Tampa upset. People are pointing to going as far back as the '70s when like Ken Dryden and the Canadians upset the Bruins, who are the reigning champions that year. People say that's the still the biggest upset in NHL history. Like is is it closer to that? So, okay, but here's my, here's my legitimate question for you and for the listeners. Can something be an, a huge upset if we felt like it, it was very plausible that it was going to happen? Like, to me, when I think about crazy, like, I think about, like, the USA miracle on ice. Like, that's a, nobody thought you were winning. Like, but in this age of parody in the NHL, I don't know that a 40-point di- discrepancy is, like, insurmountable. I, I don't, I don't know. know. I, but, I, I I don't think so. And the Panthers I, I, won the President's Trophy the year before, albeit the year before. they made some changes. But it's not like they were your classic number eight seed or you know wildcard team. They 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 had a lot of the the structure in place from a team that had 122 points themselves the year before. So I don't I don't buy it that it's like this holy smokes massive upset. Where I do. Think I buy, what I do buy into is I think this is the end of the era for the Bruins as we know them. Krejci and in particular Bergeron. Like you watch that game, you watch the ending of it. Mm-hmm. The way Patrice Bergeron left the ice and the way that he kind of soaked it in, that felt inevitable that he that's it for him. Didn't it didn't that feel like it to you? Yeah. It felt like that. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing for it, it like remember I don't know if you remember the 2021 Stanley Cup final when the Canadians lost uh, to Tampa Bay and all those Canadians players went to Shea Weber 
and they're giving him hugs and stuff. They know like that's basically it. And he hasn't played a game since, you know, uh, in this case, I I've just looking at Patrice Bergeron, seeing all those guys hug him. Brad Marchand's the very last guy to hug him uh, before they step off the ice. Like, yeah, that looks like a guy who like he, it, it, I, 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 I understand that Patrice Bergeron still has to think about it with his family and he might come back for another year. It certainly felt like it was over. Also, I have to mention this now, just like two episodes ago. If you see me scatterbrained, more Calgary Flames news just breaking as we as we go here. Oh my gosh, this is this is the day. Yep. Well, I'll let it's you break the it. Second to the listener. episode, three weeks. So that's it. Yep, Daryl. So Daryl Sutter. For those water, yes, Daryl Sutter has, has been let go. Pierre LeBron uh, just dropped it. Elliot Friedman as well, but Pierre LeBron, who's our guy, uh, got that news. Wow. Yes. Wow, 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 wow. Yes, um, he's, so, he's, he's gone. So, But we kind of felt like when Treliving said, let's go our separate ways, it kind of felt like uh, maybe this is the end. It's time for a fresh coat of paint all over in, in, in Calgary, right? Doesn't it feel that way? Yeah, but at the same time, like Daryl Sutter had a two-year extension. Like, yeah. that's what complicated things in, in, with all of this. It's one thing if both those – because if Daryl didn't have a contract – and I think the year the way the year went the way that it did, it it's it's much more clear to say, hey, both those guys are gone. Even a guy like Brad, who I think if the offers may have been right or if some other factors worked out, he might have stayed. But I think just with the way this season went for Daryl Sutter and, and that Flames team and all of those pieces that they got in the offseason, like those pieces have to work. Like they signed those guys to contracts. It has to work. For a guy like Daryl to not get the most out of that team, like it just kind of felt as if the writing was going to be on the wall for for a guy who style has been described as old school, and unfortunately he 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 he's taking the fall. For, he's taking the fall here. It, it it kind of had to happen, I think. So yeah, I mean, I guess I know what you mean in terms of there's no GM in place per se, but you know, I get I I look at it this way. Now the GM gets to come in and and make their own hire, right? Mm-hmm. Like they get that's to make what I their own too. hire. Yeah, that's what I wonder too. With that, not to hijack this, but with this no, no, conversation, no. Yeah. you I, completely. The biggest thing for me with that GM search was how much of a factor Daryl Sutter was going to be in all of this, and if Daryl stayed, then I think that whoever the GM was, they were going to have to deal with that and i think it would have lessened the qual the, the candidate pool for those guys i understand craig conroy is the favorite for that job he's an internal guy he's played for the team before was an assistant to jay feaster when he was gm that becomes a gm but now you open up a possibility of so many other guys coming in who could do it like one quote that's gone around uh don maloney who's the president of hockey operations in the interim gm yeah he said that he would like to have a progressive thinker someone who's on the cusp of of an opportunity like, no disrespect to Daryl. Daryl is a guy as a guy who had direct line to ownership, and 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 has. I mean, maybe wow. it's not. It, like, this is a guy. This is a guy who has a lot of power in that organization. If they had brought in a new guy, it would have been very difficult. I think for those two to coexist at least right away, especially if that GM wants to put their imprint on this team. It like, and and I don't know. Like, I I think this is a move that had to happen in order for them to get the progressive thinker that they want. And I think for some of those players in that room, too, who were not happy about how this year went, some of those guys are probably in favor of that decision. And I think that this move happened because some of those guys might have said something about how this year went. And they said, you know what? A change needs to be made. Daryl Sutter will go down as one of the greatest winners in, in terms of head coaches. He has the two Stanley Cups. There's the legacy attached to him. But sometimes a, a life expectancy for a coach, it ebbs and flows. And I think for a guy like Daryl, I think the writing was on the wall for him. Okay. That being said, then, let, let, let's move this to one other team that had a little bit of coaching news on the weekend, and that's the Winnipeg Jets' yes. Kevin Shovel day off. Uh, Julian saying that, uh, you know what, Rick Bones is going to come back. Bones is coming back. And, and, and the reason why I bring that up, his post-game press conference in which, and, and I know he tried to walk it back a little bit on the weekend, but he said he was disgusted with the way that his team performed in Game 5. Um, it felt like a definitive 
kind of breaking point between the core of that team and the coach. Like, like I don't know that that I've ever seen in the NHL. We don't often see that type of uh, raw emotion and honesty on a podium from players and coaches. We saw it. And then for Shevel Day off to come back and say, Rick Bonus, our coach next year, to me, it's a message to the core of that team. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I think so. I mean, here's what I'll say just to start off here. It's fun. It's really interesting to see people after that season went the way that it did say the things they're saying about the core and that they're fed up of the core. I don't know if I'm wrong in saying this, but if you're going to keep Rick bonus, like you're endorsing a side of this that says, okay, like we're going to change things inside that core. And I don't know if you have to necessarily change everything, but there are two people I'm looking at in all of this, Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley. Those two have been around this organization for years. And when you think of the core and you think of the figureheads at the top of that, it's those two players. I, I, I wonder what their fates will be with totally. all of these changes. There's right. no way you don't address those two uh, with regards to their futures here in, in Winnipeg, regardless of whatever the contract status is or whatever their fates are supposed to be. If, play, if things play out normally, like those two guys, it starts with if you're Kevin Shevel day off, if you're flames, if you're just management, it starts with those two. You know, maybe Kyle Connor stays, Nikolai Ehler stays. If 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 Connor Hellebuck is not interested in in sticking around and 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 sees the direction of the team and says, you know what, man, he's not getting out of here, put me somewhere else. He might he's gone. That's going to happen. But inevitably, there will be changes with this team because there have been too many years where they've had opportunities and they've squandered them. This year, especially, this is a team that at one point was the best team in Canada, and they found themselves as a wild card team, and they get dusted by the Vegas Golden Knights. Like it's unacceptable. Yeah. Something I, has to change. I thought Murat, uh, Murat uh, his writing on the weekend was just phenomenal in terms of uh, being able Absolutely. to sort of encapsulate what Jets fans are thinking right now, which is a sense of frustration that there's no direction here. And he really, I thought uh, Murat uh, is, is just a terrific writer, but but he really got it uh, on the weekend. So if, if you didn't read that, I'd encourage you to to check out uh, to check out his stuff. Um, okay, but well, listen, we got we got more game sevens to sift through. Man, I feel bad for everybody listening because like this should have been an episode where we're just going in on the playoffs. Oh, and and now and now yeah. we're going in on 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 teams that are not in the playoffs because of news just breaking. This again, this is the second time in three weeks we've had a show completely interrupted by the Calgary Flames and and their news. I don't know how I don't know how Haley was able to do this show and whatever stuff like that would happen, but like this is a pretty big deal for for Daryl Sutter to be gone uh, from the Calgary Flames, but also. It is a big deal that the Boston Bruins are gone from the playoffs. It's a big deal that the Colorado Avalanche are gone from the playoffs. Like, today, it, forgive us if we're a little bit all over the place today. It's a big deal that Snoop Dogg, you know, yeah, might be interested in the Ottawa Senators. Forgive us if today is a bit of a, a bit of a day for us. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, it's a day. And we'll get, listen, we'll get to the, the, uh, the Snoop stuff in a bit. Uh, but we got more Game 7 fallout in that. Like, the Seattle Kraken... Let, okay, let me phrase it to you this way. If your favorite team is out of the playoffs or you're like us and you don't really, you know, you don't really cheer for a team per se, you're, you know, you're kind of in the industry and you're not really cheering. Mm-hmm. Um, are, you not all, are we all not kind of just pulling for the Seattle Kraken? Like, is that our collective bandwagon team here? The second year developed out of nothing... They just took out the defending Stanley Cup champions. Like, is that the team we're pulling for or no? Like, like, because I kind of feel like I, I, I want to pull for them. 
They feel like the least polarizing team of the ones left in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Is if Carolina you had said like polarizing? Like I don't yeah, find I Carolina polarizing. Like, I don't like, know if they are either. I know like some people get annoyed with the storm search stuff, which I think is great. And they claim to be the loudest fan base in the league. I don't know if that's necessarily true. But yeah, like I think them and Seattle are probably on the low rank in terms of fan bases and teams that annoy people. Like if you had said, like the Leafs, what a great story. Are they the team to cheer for? I'd be like, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I don't know if even the Edmonton Oilers would necessarily be the case as well. The Golden Knights have managed to upset a lot of people with the way they handle things over in recent years. Uh, there's a lot of teams, I think. How, how just, do they become? Do the, like a power. Go ahead. How did Vegas become so quickly? Like, kind of where Seattle? Like, Seattle's kind of like a lovable kind of new team. Like Vegas, it was like right away we just hated them because they went to the cup and we we're like, ah, we hate you. I don't think it's necessary. No, I think we liked. I think we liked them when, when they went to the cup because it was an incredible story. I think it's that immediately after. Like, remember, like, people love the social media, the way they yeah, handle yeah, yeah, that, and yeah. then that changed, and everyone's like, wait a minute, they're, they're so much more annoying now, and 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 just yeah. the way that they're, like, taking in guys and in and out and trying to make the playoffs and stuff. Like, there's something about their DNA that has changed in recent years. Like, they, I think that first year when they were uh, still an expansion team and they go to the final, they were still, quote-unquote, pure. And I think in recent years that has changed, and I don't think the players and management don't mind all that much, but, like, I don't I think Seattle is still in that honeymoon phase with expansion teams. They're still a liked team. Do, do we need to wrap our heads around? And I'm not I'm, I, I want to make this clear. I'm not sleeping on Edmonton. I'm not no. sleeping on Dallas. But there is a chance, Julian, that in like 12 days from now, we could wake up to a world where the Western Conference final are the two newest teams in the league, the Seattle Kraken against the Vegas Golden Knights. Do we, oh, do we need? Oh, that would we, actually be really cool. See, so we just need that, to prepare our listeners wow. for that. Like, but just prepare people for that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Just, just know that it's on the radar. It's on the radar. It's possible. That's actually pretty cool. That would actually be super cool and super frustrating for so many other franchises at once. <laughs> Imagine you're like a fan of a team that has like I don't know two or three playoff series wins in the last like how many years. And you're like, oh, man, like we go about these old school ways or, you know, we're trying to find a way to like get more success. And then you look at the two newest franchises who found ways to be playoff teams in the conference final. People would be so mad at that. It's like, why were these guys able to do it? Like, what the hell's going on? Like, people would be frustrated at that. I would love it personally. It would be such a cool story to see. I mean, for sure, we'd get new blood out of out of out of a Western Conference team even if we would be robbed of another year of, of Connor McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl oh, trying to get to the final. That's, that, ah. that's what comes at the expense of it. If you I get know. Vegas, Seattle, as cool as that would be, it's another year where Connor McDavid is denied an opportunity yeah. to okay. go to the Stanley Cup final. That has okay. to be acknowledged in all of this, too. Yep. That's a, that's a, that's a great point. And, and McDavid and Dreisaitl uh, just salvaged that series uh, when it looked like it was going off the rails. And, you know, L.A., uh, Boy, L.A. Uh, probably deserved a better fate. And uh, Listen, this has been – I know we, we often suffer in this industry from recency bias, or not even just this industry. Like, right, So often you go out and be like, that's the best hamburger I've ever had, or that's the best mm. movie I ever saw, or whatever it is, okay? I kind of feel like right now we're like, this is the best first round I've ever seen. And, and part of it is we had Game 7 upsets on Sunday night. We got a game seven on Monday evening between two, uh, you know, historical rivals. And th this is going to be a lot of fun. We had the mm -hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, you know, exorcising a demon that we didn't know that they could, could do. And they did. And um, mm -hmm. the Oilers. Anyway, do you think this is the best first round that you can remember? I mean, or do we just not remember other first rounds? And therefore, we're like, this is the best first round ever. I mean, how many first rounds can we point out where the greatest regular season team of all time gets upset in the in the first round? I mean, you want to go back to Tampa, I guess 2019, but like that happening, the rate, like how many has that ever happened before? How many times has that happened where the President's Trophy winning team and the defending Cup champion, if there were two different teams, or even yeah, if there were two different teams, how many times has that happened where they were both? gone from the first round of the playoffs it's one thing if you if you've done both and 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 you're the reigning cup champion and all that but like 
how many times has it happened where you lose both the reigning cup champion and the president's trophy winning team in the first round? I don't know how many on times the same night. In the same night. Oh, the same within night hours. Within hours. Like, on home that ice. That's insane. Yeah. And, and of course, ice. we got to acknowledge the Leafs, too. I know a lot of people are, are really happy about that, I guess. Not I guess. They are happy. Um, okay, are, are they a polarizing team, do you find? You know, we're talking about Toronto? Seattle and Carolina. Are, do you find Toronto polarizing? No, not at all. No, they're, they, everyone loves them. Oh, they're universally man. loved. And certainly no one has made a point to make fun of them for the fact that they've celebrated the first round the way that they have. Absolutely not. So tell me, when you saw the footage of the streets of Toronto flooded with uh, energetic, young, enthusiastic people celebrating a playoff victory, for many of those people that it looked like in the, in the shots, either the first time in their lifetime or the first time that they would ever remember. A Toronto yep. Maple Leafs. So you're talking about people in their kind of early 20s, you know, late teens, early 20s, that demographic. You would never have been alive or remember a, a, a Leafs playoff series. So I want to make that clear. I think it's not like the streets were flooded with like 45-year-old guys like me who were like, we've no. done it. Like, you know, because we've all seen stuff before. If you're 45, you've seen the Leafs go win some rounds. So do we allow a little bit of like, okay, like, listen. These people have never seen this happen in their lifetime. Just let them have fun, or do we need to mock them? I need I need a ruling from, from you here. So here's my thing about it. I have no problem with the fans celebrating that. I, I, I see the celebrations, and I wonder if they win round two, they win round three, what's it going to turn into? Uh, I'm curious about that. I don't have a problem personally with fans celebrating that. Like, I, I think for... A lot of those people, they've they've been the butt of jokes for so long. And they were the butt of some really intense jokes. And their team finally yeah. found a way to win in the first round. What are they supposed to do? Not celebrate? Like, not take a moment to gloat and be like, ha, we actually did it. We beat uh, a team that gave us fits last year. We finally got over the hump of the first round. You know, uh, John Tavares, who... That's, that's the one thing that I will have to laugh at, though. What I find really funny is that the Leafs got to this place... Because of the play of players who they would previously malign and be pissed at. John Tavares, for whatever reason, drew a lot of flack from people, especially yeah. last season. He can now say he has ended uh, postseason series droughts for two different franchises. Both, I think, on OT goals as well. Uh, Morgan yeah, Riley. When, when they beat the Panthers, right? Yep, yeah, correct. They beat the Panthers and he won an OT goal, yep. Um, Morgan Riley, people have been dumping on this man all season for the way that he's been playing. He was probably the best defenseman in that series. He played really well in that series. People love to dump on Alex Kerfoot, too. He got himself a big goal in that series as well. The funniest thing for me is that Leafs fans, they'll just they've been complaining about some of these players and not coming up in these other moments in these big moments of the regular season. Those were the guys in addition to Austin Matthews and Mitch Barter and Ryan O'Reilly, who helped the team get to that other side. And they do not give a damn as they celebrate. I have no problem with them celebrating. I, 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 for, for me, it's funny to see them forget all that other stuff about, you know, dunking on certain players of theirs. Uh, but I, I don't have a problem with them celebrating. I, I think it's fine. I, it's, it's okay. Like, it's memories that are, are going to stay with them for a long time. And I think people are allowed to celebrate when their team does well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny because I think there was a stretch with baseball. Remember when, when everyone like the, the they, they would win a wild card round and like the goggles came out and the champagne and people I got love angry. That stuff. Ah, you know I what? love that stuff. Yeah, I, and I think you know what that is? That is a generational difference between you and I. Mm-hmm. Where I think, and again, it's more about people like me understanding that, okay. And I love like Giannis last week when when he was asked after the Bucks got bounced, like kind of his answer that um you know, um, sometimes you just, not everyone can win. And sometimes you just got to celebrate the little successes in life. Right. And so listen, I, I get it, but now it's Toronto and Florida mm-hmm. in round two and Sergei Bobrovsky for three games played well, but you know, what's funny in those three games, Julian, his save percentage was nine Oh six. His goals against was three forty one. It wasn't like Bobrovsky went full, like kind of what he was back with the jackets. He he didn't go like 2012 Bobrovsky, whatever. Like he he was just okay. He was good enough to win. Like, are the Leafs like overwhelming favorites in this series? Is it a coin flip? 
Does Florida have an edge? Like, just your initial assessment now that we know it's Toronto, Florida. What that tells me, and we've seen it throughout the series too, is that even if Sergei Bobrovsky was just okay, like that Florida Panthers team was able to battle back and get some big goals. They did that against, again, the greatest regular season team we have ever seen uh, in the Boston Bruins. Like, this is a postseason where people are going to understand that Matthew Kachuk is a game breaker. And he has played like a game breaker in that first, like through that first round series. I I don't know if I feel comfortable saying the Leafs are an overwhelming favorite. I'm not saying they're necessarily going to lose. I still have to think about what I would want to predict that series to be. But I thought it was really interesting to see Leaf fans be like, oh, we want Florida. You, you mean the team that beat? Boston, the way that they did? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want those guys? Yeah. You want Matthew Kachuk coming at you? You want Carter Verhage? You want all these guys? Like, I'm here for Matthew Kachuk in a seven-game series against the Toronto fan base. Like, how many shifts will it... Let's set the over-under here. How many shifts will it take for Matt Kachuk to become public enemy number one? I'm going to set the over-under at seven and a half shifts. Under. Under. <laughs> Under. Second all it takes is for him to get in. All it takes is for him to drive the net and hit Ilya Samsonov once. Oh, once. Done. Forget it. Everyone hates that guy. People are going to hate him by the end of that series, regardless of how it goes. People are going to hate this man. And if it wasn't apparent before, man, the Atlantic Division, having that guy in there for like the next, like what, like eight years? They're not going to like this guy. They shouldn't already like this guy. They will not like this man. Okay. Julian says, take the under seven and a half shifts. Matt Kachuk becomes public enemy uh, number one. So we know Toronto, Florida. What we don't know is Carolina's opponent. And I think we need to bring our uh, our producer, Chris Flannery, in here for this segment because Chris is a diehard Rangers fan. Like, diehard Rangers fan. It's Rangers-Devils game seven tonight. Chris, give our listeners a sense of, and we're about seven, seven and a half hours. By the way, it's at eight o'clock. Eastern time puck drop tonight. Yes. Um, so we're about seven and a half hours, whatever, away from the game. Like, take us, like, can you eat lunch? Okay, Chris? <laughs> or like, do you have that little thing where like you're, you're nervous or like, I, like take, take our listeners through how you're feeling right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm fine for now. Cause I'm doing this. I'm working. I have stuff to do. Uh, you know, my, I'll hang out with my daughter this afternoon. Uh, you know, I, I have some things going on. Around six o'clock, I'm gonna start getting antsy. It's like I, I do not want to wait till eight o'clock. That's a that's a real uh, bummer that that I have to wait that long. Um, you know, I got to tell you, I, I feel obviously it's been a real up and down series for the Rangers. I feel like the first goal tonight really really matters. If the Rangers can get the first goal, I think they're going to be in in good shape. Shesterkin's been excellent the whole series. When the Devils play with the lead, they are a really really difficult team to play against. They just clog up the neutral zone. They're looking to turn pucks over and they become a real problem when they play with the lead. So I think the first goal is gigantic for both teams, but obviously as a Rangers fan, I'm, I'm hoping it's the Rangers that get it. And, and that game's at the rock tonight. And I'm going to ask both of you guys this question. Yes. And, and this isn't, again, this isn't a recency bias thing. Okay. Because I, the road teams have played really well. If you guys had your choice, would you rather play a game seven of a playoff series at home or on the road? Um, I think I'd la- I'd rather play on the road. I would rather play on the road. Try to plant that like like Chris like you're saying. Rangers score that first goal tonight. What's it going to do to the crowd? They're going to get a little antsy. Uh, They're yeah. going to get a little uptight. They're going right. Yep. Like, wouldn't you guys rather play on the road? Yeah, like if you win that series, especially if you're not favored to win. I mean, there's a chance you aren't favored to win if you're the road team in that in that do or die game. You suck out all that energy. You leave as a happy team, and you get to hear everyone be quiet. Like that, that is a pretty sick feeling. At the same time, like if you win on your home ice, like you have the crowd behind you, they're all amped, it's all exciting and all that. But I don't know, there's something about being the villain and ruining a party, like the way the Florida Panthers did, uh, and so many other teams before them. Like that's that's pretty cool. I I I see where you're coming from with the road team. I think that has swayed my opinion. I think I'd rather be the road team. But at that point, like, I wonder how much pressure is on you in that moment too. I don't know. Like you're if you're again, if you're in that situation, there's a chance you're not favored. So I I might like that situation. Yeah, it's interesting, especially in this series, because they're, you know, Rangers fans are very, you know, it's 
New York and New Jersey. It's close. There's going to be a lot of Rangers fans in that building. So if they can suck the energy out of the Devils fans to start, you're going to hear some Igor chants. You're going to hear some let's go Rangers. So that that starts to work, I think, against the Devils in particular, because then they want to do maybe a little too much. Rangers can maybe capitalize on that. But uh, honestly, over the last however many playoff runs the Rangers have been on, they've won so many game sevens um, at home on the road. I don't necessarily think it matters with this team in particular. They just, they've just done it so many times, but for sure, starting the series on the road, I think was a good thing for the Rangers because, you know, with all that talent, they, they kind of get their confidence from scoring goals so when they go on the road, they don't really have to put a show on like they would at MSG. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it hurts them to, to be on the road for this game seven. I, I think they just, you know, play a, play a quiet game and 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 try to score first. Yeah. Why why don't we have a regular segment? Like we need to come up with a catchy name for yeah. Flannery. I, I like producer Chris you know? bringing yeah, his two cents into you, things. You got a you got a great kind of podcasting voice. You you speak with confidence, almost like you've done this for a long time. <laughs> I kind of feel like we should be bringing you in. You Listen, I I'd be happy to join you guys. You're you're uh, you guys are the pros <laughs> for sure. But I I don't mind jumping in anytime you need me. I'm happy to do it. All right. Okay. Well, listen. This was uh, we we and I'm, I'm, this is gonna sound facetious when I say it, but like legit. Good luck tonight, in the game, because <laughs> Thank I, you. I I I know, like, and Julian and I we watched those games last night. Um, there's nothing better, right, than watching Game Seven, especially in overtime, when you're not yeah. kind of emotionally attached. Oh. Yeah. Oh my god! It's, yeah. it's oh, so freeing. It's oh. so liberating. So like, good. You just get to enjoy the yeah. the action, the tenseness. You see everyone freaking out in the audience, and you're just sitting back on your couch, just like, yeah, I don't have to worry about any of this. Like this is. Fun. It's also good. Like it's one thing to not have a dog in the race, but then you're at the game and you have to file from the arena, and you're trying to figure out like what your story is yep. going to be. It truly is bliss when you are legit just at a game or on your couch and you have no responsibilities for this game you just get to see the game as it is and enjoy it listen now, now it's time um for the show uh where we got to talk about the senator's news today i'm telling you about all this news popping up out of nowhere it messes with your brain right i'm not alone in this no and so thank you just, i, I want to take this you this is wild <laughs> I want to take you through the process of this, and by extension, obviously, the listeners, because yes, this is a please. fascinating story. So we reported this about uh, 11.30 on uh, Monday morning that, uh, and I can't even believe, even I think this might be the first time I'm saying these words out loud, but Snoop Dogg is part of the consortium with one of the groups led by a, a, a Los Angeles-based entrepreneur named Nico Sparks. Snoop Dogg is a potential owner of the Ottawa Senators. He's in, all in on this. Um, so I'm going to walk you through this because obviously, and, and, and I think somewhat rightfully so, Ryan Reynolds has dominated the news cycle on this particular story for the better part of three months, four months, where it's felt inevitable. But I'm going to take you back, Julian, to January when I, the first time I wrote about this group led by Nico Sparks, one of the things they said was they have the goal of being um, the most diverse ownership group in hockey history. They wanted to have a number of, of people of color in positions of power, uh, that, that they were going to put a consortium together of 12, 15 people, and the majority were going to be people of color, and they want to change the NHL, not only at the grassroots level, but at kind of like the boardroom level too, okay? so. The one thing they told me in January, Julian, was we believe that we have a celebrity that's on par with Ryan Reynolds. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, who is it, right? And so between January and April, so four months, I was pestering people close to this group, around this group, and I'm like, who's the who's the... Who's the uh, the celebrity? Is it The Rock? No. Is it, I heard at one point Floyd Mayweather. They're like, no. I heard The Weeknd. They're like, no. And I'm like, who the hell could it be? And and I think, here's what, here's what I really think happened, Julian. Mm -hmm. I think last week, 
the story came out that the Ryan Reynolds group, and full credit to Bruce Garriock of Post Media, he was the one who had it, and um, he was the one who had the story that suggested that Ryan Reynolds and the Remington Group were prepared to make a one billion dollar. Do I need to do the Doctor Evil one billion dollars, or is that at one Belfour? billion dollars? Ed Belfour should jump in with a billion dollar. Maybe you're too young. Are you too young for the Ed Belfour billion dollar reference? Uh, I, I'm not aware of it. I might okay. not be too young, See, but I'm not aware this of is, it. Okay. Well, th- this is why, remember I always said like the, every every episode of the pod, I, I feel like I could teach you something. So back in the day, I think when Ed Belfour was playing for the Dallas Stars, mm. he was arrested on, I think it was like public intoxication, like something fairly like not overly serious but he was he was he was a uh, uh, booked and charged and apparently i he tried to talk his way out of it by offering a 1 billion dollar bribe to the arresting no officers no way he was like <laughs> I, he was like i'm at belfour and i i think it was like a billion dollars no way yeah at belfour but anyway, hockey players so, don't make that much money <laughs> no no anyway back to this story oh, where crazy. I, I i think honestly i think what happened was the Reynolds group dominated the news cycle last week. And I think all of the other groups, and I, and I still believe there's four or five other groups that are interested. I think all the other groups are like, are you kidding me? Like, honestly, are you kidding me? Like, this is a runaway now. Like, why on earth would anybody try to put a bid in if you're telling us Ryan Reynolds is going to go in for a billion? Like, like, honestly. So I think like they felt like there's a lot of other groups. And I... I I don't know what the other groups are thinking. I've been in contact with some of them, but I think they felt like, are you kidding me? Like, like we're losing the PR battle here. So after months and months of me trying to chisel at this, I finally kind of got something loose on Friday night that led me to believe it was going to be Snoop. And I'm like, what? Like you, you wouldn't have believed like my initial reaction, like my jaw hit the floor. And, and then I spent all the, so I texted my editor uh, and I work with uh, uh, Naoko Asano who works out of Vancouver. And I texted her Friday night. I'm like, shout out Naoko, man. Naoko's amazing. And I She's said, amazing. you're not going to believe, I sent her a note on Slack. I'm like, I said, play a game with me. I said, I, I think I got the, the celebrity nailed down. I think. Go ahead and guess. And she, she took a couple of guesses. I'm like, nope, think bigger. Nope. And I said, Snoop. And it, you know, it was like five seconds later, she comes back with like five exclamation and question marks. I'm like, yeah, I think so. I said, just give me some time to try and nail this down. And then this is the part that you will appreciate the most as a, as a reporter, as a fellow journalist. Yes. Um, I'm sitting in a movie theater. I take my daughters to, uh, uh, to see Air, the, uh, the Jordan Nike the new, movie. So, yeah, I got to watch that movie. Yeah, it, it's, it's great. It's, it's really good. And I said, you know what, guys? Like, our, our daughter's a little bit older. They're 18, uh, almost 19 and, and, uh, and 15. And I said, you know what? And I love spending time with them, but movies are, like, one of my favorite things to do with them. And I said, let's go to the movie. Let's go for, um, and this is not intended to be a Snoop-related joke, but we did pick a 420 show. It was a 420 showtime. I now think of that as I... Yeah. So we're sitting in the movie, and you know the rule of, you get the, the notification, shut off your phone, right? right? Let everyone yeah, enjoy yeah. But I know that I'm really close to potentially nailing this down. So I leave my phone on and sure enough, like nine minutes into the movie, 10 minutes into the movie, my phone flashes and it's one of these kind of sources that's kind of close enough to the situation where I feel like if I can nail them down and I yeah. had to run out of the theater and you know oh take the call in the, in the hallway and I'm like, and they're like, yeah, I think... I think that you're, this is it. So anyway, That's long story amazing. short. Uh, that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's wild though, right? Like it's a really wild story when you think about like we live in a, I don't know, what, what's crazier to you that we live in a universe where the Toronto Maple Leafs have a legitimate chance to win the cup or we live in a world where there's potentially, there's two Billion dollar bids for the Ottawa Senators with their own A-list celebrity. I don't know what's weirder. I feel as if like the second story should have more <laughs> lasting impact for the legacy of the league as opposed to the former. No disrespect to Leafs fans, but like the idea that Ryan Reynolds was in on the Ottawa Senators for a bid, like 
there's a reason why I got propped up the way that it did because for celebrities of his qual of his caliber to pay attention to the league and show that interest in the league, like that's a big deal. Like all of a sudden, the Ottawa Senators could be this cool team. For Snoop Dogg, who has already shown interest in hockey, do you remember that time he was on the? He, he's been on those LA Kings broadcasts before. Yeah. You know, trying to provide commentary the way that he has. This is a guy who likes hockey. This is a guy who likes sports. This is a guy for him being interested in the Ottawa Senators is still a shock, but like him being around the game of hockey isn't a complete shock, but that's also exactly what this league needs. And this, this whole aspect of the ownership uh, discussion has not been discussed enough. in the fact that a team with persons of color leading it at the forefront would be a massive, massive deal. It's not something that happens every day in the big four of sports. So for it to be in hockey, which might be the widest of all four of them, it would be insane. Yeah. And of all people to lead that charge, Snoop Dogg, that would that is one of the coolest stories. Like, and and I think if it's kind of funny, like I don't know if it's cool to root for people to to own certain teams or anything like that, but like I, I get the hype with Ryan Reynolds, but Snoop Dogg going to the Ottawa Senators would be real cool. Can you imagine going to the I mean the Canadian Tire Center, that opening press conference gets flown in and he's just at the at the um uh what's it called? The, the table or whatever that they have to to do the press conferences and he's just yeah. there. Could you just imagine like people asking him questions and he's handling it? Can you imagine like Bruce Garriott trying to ask him questions and seeing how that goes? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you would handle it a lot cooler than Bruce. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I'm 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 that kind. Well, although technically, I mean, I am younger than Snoop, right? So I I should have that going for me. I got about five years on him. So what's your favorite Snoop Dogg song? See, I always like back in the day. I always think about like it was my last year of high school was Gin and Juice. So that's the one for me, and I always love like it's the um, the Penguins jersey. Like he's wearing that old school, like the old school Penguins jersey. The biggest reason why that jersey is cool is because he wore it. Yes. So that that's always the one for me that like, I don't know, goes back to my childhood and the Penguins jersey. Like, that's the Man. cool thing about it. Yeah. But my my answer would have been uh his uh him on Still Dre with uh with Dr. Dre, by the way. Yeah. Like but but like you would agree with me on this that there's not very many people who whose platform reach, whatever you want to call it would be equal to Ryan Reynolds, if not a little bit more, but but certainly in that realm, in that stratosphere. Snoop is legit in there. And and it's it's uh it's why that's a big I, deal. I, it is. I, I I'm telling you, man, I had this kind of not sit on this, but like the, the ability to try to nail that down without anybody else knowing about it is one of the oh, I, I didn't even sleep really well last like and I'm usually a guy like I sleep really well. Like I didn't yeah. say I was tossing and turning thinking I'm going to wake up and someone else is going to have, uh, you know, snuck in there and, and, and had this. And I'm like, ah, oh, like to be worth anyway. Yeah, man, that's I just have to say that is so cool that you were able to to have that story and to 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 bring coverage to that because there has been a lot with Ryan Reynolds and some of the other ownership groups. But for that to be a potential candidate for the Ottawa Senators that cannot be overlooked in any of this. And the fact that it's Snoop Dogg, uh, people are not going to see this because I don't know if we're going to do a YouTube clip, but in the case that we don't, I, when I heard this was happening, I decided to wear my Snoop Dogg shirt just because of how like funny this all is. Um, But uh, yeah, it feels like uh, it's going to be a very busy uh, May 1st for both of us. Man, what a crazy (laughs) time. What a crazy time. And I don't want to say, I want to go on the record here and say, like, yeah. I don't particularly, well, maybe care is not the right word, but like, it doesn't matter to me who owns the Ottawa Senators. I want to make this clear. Like, I, like, I, I, like, if it's Ryan Reynolds, great. If it's the Snoop, uh, Nico Spurs consortium, great. If it's Michael Anlauer, fantastic. Like, I, my number one desire in all of this is to see stable, competent, committed owners in Ottawa. And I don't care who that is. Now, I understand the allure of um uh of, of having Snoop or Ryan Reynolds like I totally totally get that trust me I I get it but the number one thing we can't like take our eyes off the main goal which was this franchise for years was completely mismanaged and neglected and we just need an ownership group in here I don't care who it is come in here and 
like understand this market and understand this this fan base. That's it. Like, and if it happens to be uh, Ryan Reynolds, that's awesome. And I'm not going to change the way I cover this team. If it's Ryan Reynolds, if it's mm-hmm. Snoop, if it's Mike Antlauer, like whoever it is, I don't particularly care. I'm just going to try my best Absolutely. to hold you accountable. And and I, I want you to do best. And I want you to do right by this community. I, I don't love that sometimes I see people say like, you, you know, you should, I don't think as journalists and reporters, we should be putting our hat. Like, I, like, I guess here's what I want to say. I don't want this to be construed as me somehow endorsing any group. I'm just passing along news that I think is significant, right? 100%. Like, this is a significant piece of news. Like, this is well, yeah, of anyway. course. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you doing that. Here's the thing. Like, I'm excited that you got the story and like the possibility. And I think we're allowed to let our minds wander and wonder about a world where Snoop Dogg is the owner of an NHL team. And and I think it's, I think it's totally cool. To, to think about how cool that could be and the potentials that come with that. It's not necessarily an endorsement, but I think like to have such a high profile celebrity at, at a time when the league needs as much exposure as it can get, isn't this not something that would help the game? Is this not something that would be a positive? Like this isn't both of us say whether it's Ryan Reynolds or whether it's Snoop Dogg. And, and look, with respect to the other ownership groups, whether it's Michael Andlauer or anybody else, but Ryan Reynolds and Snoop Dogg, I think there's like a, a, an element of visibility that comes into this that we cannot ignore. And while it's not an endorsement from either of us, if either of those guys get it, that's I think that's that's a positive. It could be perceived as a positive element to either of those two getting an NHL team. And, and I think yeah. that cannot be overlooked. Yeah. Anyway, it's 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 going to be really fun to watch this process unfold from an arm's length in the next two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. But, but then anyway, there's, there's the background of how I kind of tried to chisel away for months to try and get that, um, uh, you know, to get that, uh, that answer. And then I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie to you. It shocked me. I, I didn't, I don't know who I thought it was, but I, I never, it never crossed my mind. It was, uh, it was Snoop. So man, ah, uh, man. Yeah. What a day. Flames news, Senators news, Game 7s, uh, recaps, yeah. Game 7 previews. I still can't believe, like, not to jump back on the Flames thing. There's a part of me that still can't, kind of can't believe that happened. Like, the, the perception of, of Flames ownership is that they're not necessarily, I don't want to use the, uh, how would I put this with Flames ownership? The fact that you have a head coach who is has an extension that kicks in July 1st for the next two years letting go of that man and the money attached to him would have been a very interesting thing to do. And the Flames decided that they were going to do it. But this tells me that the fit with him, and especially with some of those new guys that they brought in, it just didn't work. And I think enough things were said during those exit meetings and throughout the season that said, hey, you know what? Daryl Sutter, we know you're about, you know, worth a little over $8 million over the next two years. You got to go. This has to get done. It, it's just what, 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 it was just just such a wild thing. Like we knew the we know the fates of 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 coaches who were coaching teams who were recently eliminating the playoffs, and and we didn't know until today what Daryl Sutter's fate was going to be. And now that we know, and 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 at at the time you're hearing this, uh, there will be a press conference ahead uh, with uh, Don Maloney where they're going to talk about this. That's so today. By the time you get that's today. So like okay. But so by the time this episode drops, the press conference will either be happening or it will have already happened. So we'll know more details about this as it goes on. But like this to me, you look at the composition of the roster, you look at how they underwhelmed this year. I also think just with the way certain things went down this year, whether Daryl Sutter handling Jonathan Huberdeau, uh, the the had to go take a shit comment, uh, Jacques Pelletier and, <laughs> oh, yeah. and his playing <laughs> time. What number is he? Like there were just too many things that happened this year where you're just like, are you kidding me? Like, come on. Like, I I understand goaltending did not play well. I understand that like players up front, they, they underwhelmed. Jonathan Huberto having a 60 point drop in his statistics is not good, but Daryl Sutter had to take some blame for this. And I think this is their way of doing it. And if their way of saying, Hey, you know what? Like, that we believe in the team that we have. We're going to try to give it another go for next year. And they need someone to take over and, 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 and get the best out of this group. And just 
I, I don't necessarily disagree with the decision to do this. Yeah. Like, I just feel he just was not the perfect fit with that group of players. And I'm really curious now about who takes over. Anyway, so maybe we'll get some answers at that uh, at that presser. Listen, and we got to send you on your way to that press conference. So yeah, I got I got to get ready up, to go. Let's wrap up the pod here. Let's do what we always do in the postseason, which is a little consmite winner of the yeah. week. Uh, did we hex? By the way, did we hex uh, uh, Jim Montgomery? We might have. I, I don't did. know. We gave him. I have gave no him the regular idea, season Monday uh, athletic hockey show Jack Adams Award, and now that guy's out. So of the playoffs, I mean. So jeez. Uh, you know, <laughs> tread, tread Sorry, Jim. carefully here. Uh, so here we go. I'm going to give you some con- uh, candidates for the um, Consumite Trophy winner of the week. This is the player that we think maybe had the best week MVP of the playoffs past seven days. I'm going to give you a couple candidates here. We're talking about Sergei Bobrovsky. 3-0, and comes in, rescues the Panthers season. But as I said, kind of just pedestrian numbers. 906 save percentage, 341 goals against, whatever. Phil Grubauer, though, he won three games for Seattle. Much better save percentage, 934, buck 99 goals against average. But if you really like those, those stats, how about Jake Ottinger? 980 save percentage, half a goal a game uh, in, uh, in, in helping Dallas uh, close out uh, the Minnesota Wild. Laurent Brassois did a wonderful job of going back into Winnipeg and beating his old uh, uh, goalie partner in, in Connor Hellebuck. He was 2-0, 946 save percentage. But I'm going to give you a couple of skaters here. That also had great weeks, and that would be Carter Verhage with the um, the three goal week for him, including the game seven overtime winner. Did you just correct the spelling of Carter Verhage in the Google Doc as we were talking and, about him? And Laurent Brassois and Jake. Otten. Look at you! Like I just typed those in quickly. There, this is an audio based thing. This is Philip Grubauer as well was misspelled. Look at you. Good <laughs> lord. Did I spell Austin correctly? Yeah, good thing I did for Austin Matthew. This guy is live spell checking me, folks, on a Google Doc Sorry. for a podcast. I love it. I love it. Okay. So Carter Verhage, three goals. Matt Kachuk, three goals. Austin Matthews, four goals in three games. And then Rupe Hints, uh, four points in two games. Those are the candidates. What do you got? Who do you think should be Consmite uh, winner of the week? I'm giving it to Carter Verhage. Uh, this is a player who uh, might be, uh, well, not might be, he's very underrated in terms of his abilities, good scorer. Uh, the fact that he's able to get that game winning goal and send the Florida Panthers on to their merry way to the next round, uh, I'm willing to give it to him for, for his heroics. I know Matthew Kachuk is there and he balled out in this series. Sergey Bobrovsky, 3 0 0. The save percentage and the goals against average, I do not like. I think, though, and I, I feel like he might go this way. Philip Grubauer, 934 save percentage, 1.99 GAA. A complete one, it's a complete 180 for what he was able to do in the regular season. And basically, our perception of Philip Grubauer, pretty much since the last year he was in Colorado and the first year he was in Seattle. Like, this guy completely yes. flipping the stats on his head. But because he was able to score a big goal that led to the biggest upset in the first round, I will give it to Carter for Hagee for his heroics. So let me let me agree with you. I just got to find the email. I got a, an email from somebody who uh, reached out to me last night after the Game 7. Yeah, and I want to give this guy credit. Name is Kyle. Kyle uh, sent me an email and said, Ian, I want to give you a little fun fact on Carter Verhage that you can pass along to people. Mm-hmm. So Carter Verhage obviously scores the Game 7 overtime goal to put uh, Florida in and Boston out. Said, remember, Carter Verhage was taken in the 2013 draft by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes. And that was either them or Tampa. 2013 was the year that Toronto lost to Boston. Yes. In that epic, it was 4 1. She said, what about the fact that Carter Verhage is the guy that ends Boston's season and kind of does Toronto a favor? You know, 10 years after they draft him, Carter Verhage may have just done Toronto a huge favor. It's like the biggest, it's like the biggest, uh, his biggest moment as a, as a Maple Leaf. As a Leaf, You yeah. could argue that. 100%. Okay, last thing is multiple choice madness like we always do. So as we're recording this, we are down to nine teams because New Jersey and the Rangers are still in the mix. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some options here. Like just tell me, like just from whatever perspective, however you want to answer the question is fine. What would be the weirdest Stanley Cup final that we could have that we could still, like is still on the table? Ooh. Okay, is it Carolina-Seattle? 
Is it Florida, Seattle? Is it Toronto, Seattle? New Jersey, Seattle? What, like Florida, Edmonton, maybe? What about Toronto, Edmonton? Like, like whatever. If I told you right now, try to close your eyes and picture the weirdest Stanley Cup that you almost can't even imagine, what would it be of the teams that are? Florida, Seattle is right up there, man. Like, what? It's weird, right? (laughs) I don't know how my brain would process Florida. Seattle is, man. Like, Florida, Seattle. Seattle? Are you kidding me? Like, that's... That's really weird. I would watch it, but that would be really weird. Like the Panthers getting in as this wild card team led by Matthew Kachuk against Seattle getting in the second year. That's not what people had on their on their predictions in their brackets. They had Boston Edmonton. Uh they they looked at Colorado getting into the cup final, maybe. Maybe people thought about Tampa getting in. Even Carolina Seattle would be like, you know what? As weird as that is, Carolina's a really good team in the Eastern Conference. Florida Seattle would be weird as hell. I think so, right? Like I don't know why, but I guess maybe the travel Florida Seattle like you couldn't get a, a well, I guess Florida Vancouver would be a little bit further, but like geographically there's there that boy. I don't know. I think Florida Seattle would be weird, but I think Tor- yeah. I, I'm still having a hard time with Toronto Edmonton. Like they all you think that be, you think that'd be weird? But because there are two Canadian teams, and we haven't seen two Canadian teams in the final since 19, what, 89? Like, it seems really weird to me. Uh, Here's the thing. It's like, it would be weird if both of those teams didn't have the star power that they have. Toronto Edmonton, people people thought, like, hey, you know what? Like, it would be cool to see, like, it's going to be framed as Austin Matthews versus Connor McDavid. But it's going to be three top five players in the same Stanley Cup final. Like, that's sick. Like, last year, we were all loving the fact it was Colorado versus Tampa Bay. Like, you have a Tampa Bay team loaded with all those superstars on their team, and Colorado with Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, all their superstars going at it. Like, that is the type of final that we want. Toronto Edmonton sort of feels like they're in that same vein, in that you got a Leafs team with with Austin Matthews, John Tavares, uh, Morgan Riley, you can add him in the bottom as well. Mitch Marner, like they have superstar power too. And then you have the Oilers who have Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Evander Kane, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Like, that's awesome. That's cool. It, like, it would be less weird and more like, like I think that's the final if you look at the brackets now. Like, that's the final I think a lot of people would want, except if you care a lot about ratings in the United States. But, but okay, but if you, and I, and I apologize, I don't know if the Stanley Cup final this year is on ESPN slash ABC or kind of I think it's TNT this year. Okay. But couldn't you sell McDavid, Matthews, Dreisaitl, Marner, like regardless of where they play, could you sell that or no? Like you think that it has to be like an American-based entity, American-based franchise. The Toronto aspect would help in this, I think. Uh, Edmonton's not a sexy market. No disrespect to Edmonton. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I've hung what, around there once. People call it Edmonton. What, what did the Raptors when the Raptors got into the final against Golden State? I don't State think the ratings 19, were good for that series. The ratings weren't good, right? I don't think that was they Golden were. State and, against Kawhi. Like it wasn't like there wasn't star power there. There was it was uh, you know I, I know they had the injuries and stuff, but like KD and yeah, man, I don't know. Man, that would have been a different series if KD ends up playing like healthy. Like he comes back in that series, and I'm like, oh boy, he he might he might take this team to Game Seven, and then he gets hurt, and it's like, oh boy, like you know that kind of that kind of hurt them a little bit. Plus, Clay Thompson gets hurt too, but the Raptors deserve that that series. That we're not the NBA podcast, but like the Raptors deserve that series, That's and it's right. important that we note this. But all that to say, uh, without looking too deeply, I would think that the ratings were down for that. But I also think a big reason is because of of how well, I mean, a lot of those ratings we see, a lot of them are based off of like the states. Like there's no as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, like I don't see people putting like those two numbers together often for like, okay, how many households in right. North America watched like the Stanley Cup final? So I think in this case where you get a Stanley Cup final with like two Canadian teams, like maybe because Austin Matthews is in it, but like I don't think Austin Matthews, in terms of the star power that he has and, and the market that he's in. I, like we don't think of him as like a big star in in American sports pop culture, and I think if he goes into the final, like I don't think that's necessarily something that's going to uh, resonate all that much with with so many hockey fans. But also, I don't care about that. Like, and maybe that's me being in Canada, but too, like I don't care if we want to be in a, in a world where we have to care so much 
about ratings. Let's put all the the big money markets in its own super league, and then you have your teams playing against each other. It always annoys yeah. me when people are like, man, it's not good for ratings. Well, it's like, what do you want it to do? Like, it's the most unpredictable playoffs of all of the big four sports. Like, you're going to, there is a chance you end up with a Florida Seattle, and there's nothing you can do about it. Man. Well, uh, Chris told us, uh, Chris Flannery, our producer, said ratings were down, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood of 12 to 14% with the Raptors in. So you would imagine that there would be a, a significant dip in ratings if there was one, if not two, Canadian uh, teams in the final. But listen, we got to let you go. We got to cut you loose. You got a press conference again. Yeah, I got to go. So we look forward to uh, to uh, to reading uh, all about that um, uh, in uh, in the Athletic here in the next day or two. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Monday Pod. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a rating review. You know we appreciate that. Um, and here's a really really important thing I got to read here, Julian. In an ever evolving world, it's important to have a constant, a rock. Something solid to hold on to no matter what happens. For us, that's our producer, Chris Flannery. Thanks, Chris. But do you think, do you think. <laughs> what the heck Chris, is going on? Well, he, he's just adding this copy. But do you no, think. I didn't, that's, oh, I didn't put anything in there. That's Thank you for saying that, Ian. That was very nice. Yeah. Oh, Did man, he jinx himself by referring to himself as a rock, which just happens to be the nickname for the oh, building that no. his favorite team is now? No. No. <laughs> I think he just jinxed himself. Anyway, we'll find out uh, later on Monday. Listen, had a lot of fun with this. Want to remind our listeners too, you get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for a dollar a month. You visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Of course, see.